2: Welcome, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and thank you for downloading episode 29 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. This is the show for those of you who love to have your finger on the pulse of U.S. Latino pop culture. Boy, is this a crazy episode. This might actually be the best show I've done. (laughs) I break down the new Justin Bieber Despacito remix with well-known radio DJ and performer Diamond Boy Luis. We didn't like it, and we'll explain why. Also, Ulysses Bella, from the popular LA band Also Matli joins me to talk about their New York City concert in Brooklyn, the electricity of their live performances, plus their collaboration with none other than Juanes, and also Gaby Moreno on their new album Nonstop LA Mexico Kingston. And then to cap it off, I welcome Latin Music's most respected voice, Billboard's Leila Cobo to discuss her exclusive interview with J Balvin and Nicky Jam on this week's Latin Billboard Magazine, that and much more here on the highly relevant podcast. Yeah. So joining me now is Diamond Boy from El Jangeo, and this man knows about music. Him and I go way back. Diamond Boy, welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast, my man. Uh,
3: how you doing, Jack? How you doing, man?
2: So listen, man, I- I've been racking my head around this Justin Bieber remix of Despacito oh. from Luis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee. And
3: uh,
2: l- l- first of all, let me, let me ask you, have you heard the song yet?
3: I have. I have. Despacito. Quiero respirar tu
2: Okay, what was your immediate reaction when you heard Justin Bieber not only be in a very,
3: very Latino song? Well, I, actually, when I when I saw the title, I kind of was excited because uh, I was like, "Oh wow, it's, it's an opportunity for." for Yankee, who's a, you know, a good friend of ours, and we've interviewed him a, a gazillion times, and Fonzie, to cross over into the American market. And that's where I thought that he was coming into. I was like, all right, he's supporting our guys, and our guys are supporting him, and, it's, you know, it's a one-hand-washes-the-other situation. Did Once you like I heard the, the record, Yeah. no, no. Once I heard the record, I was really disappointed. I mean, unless you tell people that is Justin Bieber trying us down just like like... Faunsky is like, uh, you know, if you close your eyes and they don't tell you who the singer is, you really don't know it's Justin Bieber. I totally, absolutely agree. And I think... And, uh, I mean, you and I have had this discussion about music before, but remixes are to take songs that are hits or super hits to another level, to, you know, that whole crossover, everybody's going to love their record. This did nothing for that record at all. It just made Justin Bieber and people in the Hispanic market that might have not heard of him, or not know of him that well, which is almost impossible because, you know, our, our young generation you know, right. who he is. But outside of that, did nothing for that record. Justin, Bieber, all, Justin all. Bieber
2: is a product of YouTube, of social media. And obviously True. he's become one of the biggest uh, phenomenons in music. And he's more of a celebrity than he is a musician almost at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, his celebrity really overshadows his music. Uh, Luis Fonti has been an interesting case. He's a, he's a guy that has been wanting to cross over for quite some time. I remember I was here in New York at a nightclub uh, near Tribeca where he had put out an English language album. And unfortunately, that album mm-hmm. uh, just didn't have the either resources or the sound of Luis just wasn't really compatible with general market mainstream music at that moment. Sure. So I feel like he's also trying to really push this into the general market mainstream, but I don't necessarily think that... Justin Bieber was the right choice for this. I know in terms of Buzz, he's a right choice, but don't you feel like he's just visiting here? He has no connection whatsoever to the Latino market outside <laughs> of his fans. He doesn't sing in Spanish. He never really sung in Spanish. He doesn't collaborate outside of sorry with Jay no. Balvin. Doesn't this
3: feel like a stunt? Well, it's it it's this is a it's a recipe taken out of the pit bull. It, Tell it, me. It, all right. So let's go back to when before Pitbull became the the phenomenal uh, musician-artist that he is now. He rode the wave of the, the reggaeton guys, and uh, I think you and I had this conversation. I used to be a, in L.A. at the time. Pitbull used to wait for a reggaeton record to hit and jump on that record. That's why people used to say, does he ever sing in an original record? And no, that wasn't the case back then. He used to jump in a, in a reggaeton record, ride the wave out of that hit, but he would make it a bigger hit, right? simple, and he would come on and hype it up even more than it was. So he created a, be- a a better record than what it was, which is fine. And then he wrote it out. But then again, it was to his benefit because after he became crossover, how many times has he worked with any of the reggaeton guys?
0: Yeah, that, none, that, none. And he
3: won't. And we he won't. He and I had uh, uh, an off the record conversation, and in, in, in L. A. And with other uh, people that were present in the room, and that question came up. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna," uh, and he was starting, starting to do a little bit of a crossover. And he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, you're gonna do a, a a record with you know Yankee or Wisin yandel or Tego. Or, and he's like, "No, I'm done with the with that genre of music. It doesn't do anything for me." And he was evolving and moving on, and now he's you know he's the mega star that he is. For Bieber, this is an opportunity for him to come into the Hispanic market, which is somewhere that he hasn't. He hasn't done anything at all.
2: Who does this favor more? Does this favor Luis Fonsi's and Daddy Yankees in the record label, no. obviously, at the end of the day? No.
3: Or this does
2: this favor Justin Bieber?
3: It, it it favors the label and Bieber. That's it.
2: So the record label for Luis uh,
3: Fonsi? Whoever the label is behind uh, Despacito, that's who's going to benefit out of this. Outside of that, it does nothing for Fonsi. And, and let's, you know, let's let's be, as, as we're talking candidate and very honest here, you know, Fonsi is a ballad finger guy that's what we know about him that's what but we he's know
2: reinvented about him. himself he's reinvented himself he,
1: he, to a or certain he wants extent. to yeah
2: he has a new look he i think he worked out because he was a true. little chubby back then uh true, he's really trying true. to go all out to a right to certain
3: extent i mean you know yankee is more the crossover artist in that whole record you know he's crossed over he's already stepped into the mainstream he did you know he did a little bit with fergie back in the day he, you know he's tried to move on but you know out of the two, Yankees are more more crossover. He's you know, he's more generic and, and he's more likable with the pop scene. And and you know, funky is for our Hispanic people. I don't know if I don't know if he he's got that Mark Anthony in him to do that complete crossover, that Enrique Iglesia that was another phenomenon you know, the Shakira thing. And you know, I mean that's it's it's a tough transition. Look at Romeo Santos. Romeo Santos is you know, he's the king of the bachata, how he calls himself. But he hasn't been able to cross over, and and it's you know it's a, it's a very hard jump. It's a very hard jump. Well, that's Same a conversation for
2: another day, because I think Romeo's Romeo is his own worst enemy. Uh, I know this because uh, agreed. <laughs> Justin doesn't sound like he's a natural Spanish language singer, no. and I think no, that is all. the problem with the song. That I don't think that pure Latino reggaeton listeners, the purists, like the salsa purists, the reggaeton purists they're they're not going to buy it. I'm not talking about sales. I'm talking in, I don't think they're going to believe that, that Bieber is serious about being in the Latin market and collaborating with the reggaeton artists of today.
3: I think no, this was a, a one
2: and done. That record is going to
3: be, at, at least the remix is going to fade out in the next two weeks. It's just, it, you know, it's a shock thing. It's like, oh, it's Justin Bieber. He's on it with the guy, whatever, this and that. And, you know, Radio stations are just going to support it for the next two, three weeks. That's it. And then what we'll hear in the long run will be the original version because that version, it just doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything for a mixer. You know, if you're in the middle of a mix and you want to throw in a newer, it, it just doesn't do anything. It doesn't hype it up. It doesn't
1: add any value. It just it doesn't.
3: It's just, it's. It's it's taking up space. It really is what it is. But this sounds
2: disingenuous. This doesn't sound authentic. This sounds business stunt, publicity, buzz, fake, oh, manipulative yes, yes. in every single way. And that's why I have a problem with it. Because uh, I don't think he's serious about the lat market. And and a lot of fans, th- they're buying it. That they're buying it in terms of belief and in sales. And I think they should wake up a little bit and go, hey, this guy doesn't really give two hoots about the Latin audience. This guy really cares about himself, his career, and tapping into the buzz where maybe he's not getting it just to kind of, like you said, uh, sell a couple of records and everything. So Diamond Boy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You can catch Diamond Boy Luis in El Hangeo. Uh yeah you can catch him on Twitter at Diamond Boy Luis. Good. Thanks Diamond. All right, Pablo, take care of yourself. It's time for
1: Jackton.
2: Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Guillermo del Toro's war movie The Shape of Water will premiere December 8th. Will Smith is in talks to play the Genie in Disney's live-action movie Aladdin, directed by Madonna's ex-husband Guy Ritchie. Arnold Schwarzenegger will narrate an underwater documentary. And Javier Bardem has a new Esquire magazine article about his love tortured characters. Changing over to the small screen, Ricky Martin will be getting his own reality show on VH1. Nat Geo will air a docu-series from Jay-Z and Katie Couric. The History Channel has a comic book special called Superheroes Decoded, premiering April 30th and May 1st, starring Stanley and George R.R. Martin. And Kevin Spacey will host the Tony Awards. Switching over to music. This week, the music industry honors Prince's death one year ago. Daddy Yankee set to perform at Premios Billboard April 28th. Romeo Santos perform on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Ed Sheeran still holds the number one position on the Billboard Hot 100 14 weeks straight. And for you nostalgia fans, Earth, Wind & Fire are planning a U.S. tour. And in tech and social media news, Snapchat is doing an original reality dating series called Phone Swap. Soon, Facebook will have you typing with your brain. Google Home can now distinguish voices. Instagram will now work offline with Android phones. And you need to check out the new Google Earth app. It's unreal. I'm really excited about our next guest. It's Grammy-winning LA band Osomatli. They're performing here in New York City on April 21st in Brooklyn. And uh, one of the band members, Ulysses Bella, uh, is here to join me to discuss about the concert, to talk about their new music with Juanes. I actually have his phone number, his cell number. Uh, let me give him a quick call, see if he answers the phone, and uh, hopefully we can get the uh, interview started. Give me a sec. Hello? Ulysses, it's Jack Rika from the Highly Relevant Podcast. How's it going, brother? Good, man. So, aren't you supposed to be playing uh, tomorrow here in New York City? Yes, we are. We're actually in. Um, we're headed to
1: Concord for a show tonight and then Brooklyn tomorrow.
2: Nice, how often are you in New York, Ulysses? Um, we probably, I mean, we used to go a lot
1: more, but at least a couple times a year, always, at the very minimum. How does
2: New York treat you? How are the fans here compared to LA or any other you know, world?
1: No, I mean, obviously New York is a special town. The energy is 24 seven. And you feel that immediately when you go play there, you know? Right. And I think that's the kind of energy that it's like, man, it's super unique. Once you get into the city, it's like you feel it. And and, I mean, regardless of all the West Coast, East Coast BS, we love (laughs) New York as a band, you know what I mean?
2: That's so great. Listen, you guys are considered the best live concert to attend. What makes your live concert such a unique experience and why do you think other bands have been able to replicate
1: that energy? You know, I think for us it's always been one of the things that set us apart early on is that we really wanted to bring it, we really wanted to get people to dance and have a good time and just really give it our all on stage. And through the years we have gained this amazing reputation of just doing that and be walking really the crowd every time, you know? And... Um, even twenty two years later we still have that same rep and it's awesome you know, that that we still care enough to like really give the audience a show. Because at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to it, that's the one last thing that they can't bottle up is that live experience.
2: You know, the thing I think what what, what the reason people can't replicate it is because of the chemistry you guys have. How long mm-hmm. I mean you guys must struggle. You guys must fight. You guys must, you know, debate and argue with each other. What is the, what is that 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 special relationship that you guys, even through the tough times, manage to still stick together and create these incredible timeless songs for the fans? The,
1: the the running joke amongst us in the band is that this is the longest relationship any of us <laughs> has ever been in. <laughs> We're, we're married musically, you know what I mean, and we've gone through so much together, man. And we've gone through everything from therapy to group sessions to like wow, hearing, really? So now, yeah, man. At this point, brother, we're you know, we're family, you know. And, and and we we know our we know each other's deficiencies, and we know each other's like positives. So see um, that, I think, and through a lot of communication and through a lot of work. We've been able to maintain this relationship.
2: You have a guy, you guys have a new album uh, coming out May 5th, if I'm correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nonstop LA, Mexico, Kingston. It's... Uh, yeah, um, May second is supposed to
1: come out, but yeah, May 6th sounds cool too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make updates, but May 2nd sounds like the right uh, date. Uh, it's an album, from what I understand, of classic... Mexican hits like boleros, uh, et cetera, that have been reimagined with a reggae feel. When did this yeah. concept come up, and why didn't you do it earlier? Why are you doing it now?
1: Well, I think part of it is that we've never been a covers band. We've never been into like we've always been into writing our own stuff and sounding our own stuff and recording our own stuff. But you know, as as the years go, you know, we we're always constantly thinking out of the box too. And then one time we were jamming on stage. Uh, we have a section in the show where we have like this kind of like dead reggae section where we kind of jam out. And in that section, one of the guys started playing and singing this old Mexican song called "Talos de you know, which is kind of like a real famous drinking song, you know. Right. And um, the crowd immediately reacted to it. It was like, "Whoa!" Like, look at this mashup. And then what happened was, is that a, a professional section. It was like we're men who'd be a rad. it to just like get all these really famous songs and give them the regular treatment. Now, from that early kind of planning and stuff, we were like collecting songs, and then little by little, we ended up working with Sly and Robbie, who were like really legends, and we really put the stamp of like just like that sound, that vibe, that, that you would expect from real Jamaican reggae.
2: Is it true that Juanes and Gaby Moreno, or even Herb Albert, are? collaborating on this new album?
1: Yeah, um, we have heard about it, playing uh, um, trumpet, um, one of the tracks, you know, he's an old boss of ours. We were actually on his label back in the day. We also have um, Doug Moreno doing uh, Solamente Una Vez, which is really one of like one of my personal favorite songs. It came out amazingly. That have is doing the guitar solo. solo we also have kyle from slightly stupid on on la bomba wh- really really he, he, he really put it down now
2: why didn't you ask juanes or gabby or even her uh to add vocals to these songs
1: why just instrumentals yeah, we do all these tracks we do all these tracks and we we're kind of like do what you want to do naturally on them you know and for gabby she sang on it and then for her for juanes he instead of singing on it he wanted to do a guitar solo it's like i'm not gonna say no to the guy (laughs) okay so how did
2: this collaboration with Juanis come about because i know he's also putting out his new album that no one still knows the release date on it but are you guys friends uh how did he
1: he has known of us for a long time and then we've actually he's invited us to come and jam on with him on uh, his show in la so we, we We've kind of had this mutual kind of fan thing going on with each other. So, I mean, um, he's a super big pop star, you know, in all of South America and everything. So, um, it was a you know, it was amazing that he even wanted to be a part of it. That's so
2: crazy. One of the things that I've been talking to with friends and uh, and, and family and is how music today seems very absent of that social protest message. That we used to get back in the '60s so much, but you guys are one of the few bands that has this firm stance on a ver- on a variety of social justice issues. Um, can you explain to yeah, me? I mean, can you explain to me why me, the music industry as a whole, in such a tough political climate globally, not just in the United States, hasn't taken the stance that you guys have socially?
1: Well. Since- difference I think between us and everybody and a lot of other acts is that that aspect of of the activists, of the caring about what's going on with the world, about using our music and our presence to help causes out, that's part of our DNA ever since we started as a band. Like We started playing benefits. That was our whole thing in the beginning, trying to help different causes, whether it was like women's rights, immigrants, rights, rights women, you know, and uh, I think that we were never Johnny-come-latelys with it, man. We (laughs) we, We always were, like, true about what we supported and what we didn't support, you know? And never kind of shied away from that. Now, was it always the best for us? No, maybe not. But at the same time, it was the best for our souls, you know? As far as, like, I can sleep at night knowing that, You know, everything that we've ever done has always been, you know, in line with our own morals and ideas.
2: One of the last couple of questions I'm going to ask you is, I know that you guys don't, I guess, subscribe to a particular label of music. It's actually kind of tough to figure out exactly Mm -hmm. what your sound is because you're such a... uh, you're such a melting pot of such different sounds. Um, do you Indeed. find it extremely difficult to get your music on radio airplay where reggaeton dominates so much?
1: Oh, yeah. What is the music industry and radio industry but trying to find a box to put you in, you know? Like, that's your genre, that's where you go, you're urban, you're this, you're that. I mean, for us, it's always been about good music and bad music. And I think for a lot of people in general, that's kind of how they listen to music. They they listen to what they like. But um, it's definitely been a challenge through the years. And at the same time, we're the kind of band that can open up and play for any crowd and for any band. And somebody's kind of did what we do, you know? And um, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, some people have called it like, Uh, musica mestiza, like mestizo music, a mix music, you know. Some people call it weird music. Some people call it all in the else you know. I I know that, you know, our our music is like a dance music, that's for sure because it's always been dance-based, whether we're playing Afro-Cuban rhythms, Dominican rhythms, reggae, whatever. It's all about, like, getting people to dance.
2: Listen, I can't wait to see you guys here in New York City on April 21st. What can the audience expect from this performance in New York City.
1: Well, for sure, um, we're going to be playing a, a, a nice little chunk of the new material off the new record. Where you know um, uh, we do a tour version of uh the by Selena. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know we're going to be doing a lot of that stuff, but also we're going to be playing a lot of our classic material too.
2: That's great, man. Seriously, if you haven't seen also Motley yet in concert. You guys are missing a religious experience that only Ozomatli can 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 apply here. So, Uri, thank you so much for being on the highly relevant podcast, and I'll be there to uh, to to root you guys on, man. Thank you. Thank you,
1: brother. Thank you, baby.
2: And before we move on to our Nicky Jam and J Balvin segment, here are a few songs I've been listening to this
4: week.
2: There's Nothing Holding Me Back, Shawn Mendes. Lost in Your Light. Dua Lipa, featuring Miguel. ¿Qué me has hecho? Chayanne. Featuring We Seen. Colombian reggaetoneros Nicky Jam and J Balvin are the kings of Latin pop music right now. And in this week's Latin issue of Billboard, they sit down together for a rare interview with Leila Cobo, Billboard's Executive Director of Content and Programming for Latin Music, to talk about Donald Trump, friendship and rivalries, and how... Respect for women in their music has made a major difference in their relationship with their fans. Layla, let's get right into it. How did you get these two guys together in the same room to give you this interview?
4: Well, they're friends. They're genuinely good friends. And I think that was the first key because a lot of times artists collaborate, but they're not really friends. You know, they're collaborating. And these two really do have a relationship that goes back many years. And uh, And once they they um, said, yes, we would happily do it, and it was a question of, okay, when, since both of you have really, really busy lives, and Nikki Jam was in Europe, and Robin was in Colombia, uh, but, but once they agreed to it, uh, it was really just a matter of scheduling. I would say the scheduling was the most complicated thing, but going back to your original question, they are genuinely good friends, and so they were open to the idea, which is, I don't think it's a common thing.
2: In your Q&A, you asked them 10 questions. The one that really interests me is when you asked, how important is the choice of language in your songs?
4: What did they say? I was surprised at their answers um, because they both admitted that the fact that they sing in Spanish can be a limitation, which I think is very accurate. And I was happy to hear them be candid about that. I often hear people say, "Oh, language is not a barrier. Uh, songs in Spanish can do great." And yes, that happens, but that's very infrequent, to be quite frank.
2: What is the fear? Uh, Why so, don't other artists want to talk about that?
4: Because I think that everybody wants to say that that uh, that they can have global success singing in Spanish, and uh, and like Juanes difficult. and Romeo Santos. Yes, but but I don't think Romeo. I think Romeo Santos' success is different. I think that these two guys actually singing in Spanish have, have had major global success and it's in part because their songs are very danceable. Um, but I think that they are um, exceptions to the rule.
2: I want to talk about global success for a second because it's another question you had asked them. Um, if they can actually be globally successful, but can they be globally successful if they don't conquer the U.S. American market?
4: I think you can be globally successful to a degree, and I think that they are. Um, Like one thing that I mentioned in that article is that each of those guys has two videos among the most viewed of YouTube's 100 most viewed videos Mm -hmm. of all time. And I think that's pretty remarkable, because here you have... Four of the 100 most viewed videos of all time. You know, think about it. It's not just Latin artists; it's every everyone. And these guys each has two, and I think that's pretty remarkable. And that speaks of globals. Um, um, but Mickey Jam said something that I thought was very telling. He said, "If we sang in English, we would have number one hits all over the world, and they would be like number one on the Billboard." Uh, hot 100 charts and i have no doubt that that would be the case well nikki nikki
2: was the one that said that he doesn't think that there's ever going to be a number one s- latin song on the on the hot 100 but jay I balvin know. did say that it's possible but it's not possible anytime soon it could take years and years and he's only very very focused in singing in spanish i mean mm-hmm. after doing sorry after doing hey Ma, which is the English language version, why is he so, like, uh, averse to singing in English?
4: I don't think they're averse. I think that they're cautious because I think there is a big risk in singing in English or in any other language, but especially English because so many people speak English and you can hear whether something sounds real or fake. So I think they're very leery of stepping into that market and doing it wrong and having it sound fake or sound forced. So they're very cautious about it, and I think rightly so. I think if they weren't so big, it wouldn't matter. But having reached a certain level of success, they really do have to be careful how they enter that market so that it doesn't sound cheesy or or forced because that. That could be a big, uh, a big trip up.
2: Oh, you mean like the Justin Bieber Despacito remix he did with Lafonzi and Daddy Yankee? Look, I, I, let's, we'll go back to, uh, to the interview on, on the magazine cover story for a second. But I also want to talk to you about this because it has a lot to do with what you just said. Um, when an, an English language artist like Justin Bieber comes to the Spanish language market and does a little remix... Um, especially with Justin, who does not speak Spanish, and so his accent is very visible. It's very rare when a Beyonce sings in Spanish and sounds like a Latina, but in this particular case, as much as he wants to sound authentic, he's not. Do you think that these visitors, how I call them, they come in, they whoosh out as soon as the remix comes out, um, do you think that that genuineness is something that the Latin fans actually believe in
4: i think the latin fans are far more forgiving um and i think part of it is because everyone knows who justin bieber is and so to have him sing in spanish it's like such a validation of latin music it's like saying oh wow look at this justin bieber is singing in spanish like how can you take exception to that (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, but i will say this for justin bieber also that he even though he has an accent and all of this he is a fan of Latin music. You know, I don't know if, if you knew that in his shows, he always does something with Gasolina. He's been doing that No, for I've years. never
2: been to a Bieber concert, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah, he reasons. does like
4: a little interlude, and then he he sang with Jay Balvin, actually, last year at, um, at, Because
2: um, of the Sorry remains,
1: right.
4: Yeah, in, in uh, California. Yeah, so he has, he he's been interested in this movement for a while, and I think because of it, he can get away
2: with it. Going back to your interview with J Balvin and Nicki Jam, um, you know reggaeton is a cultural parallel to me of the hip-hop genre. Yes, Um, yes. Unfortunately, these are two similarities negatively where they demean uh, women, they sexually objectify them in their lyrics and their music videos. But Nicki Jam and J Balvin decided to go in a different direction. Why?
4: They say, I mean, I wouldn't say that they elevate women terribly, <laughs> but it is true that they are far more romantic in their in their lyrics and in their treatment, especially Nikki, no? Nicki's big hits are very romantic songs, and, and they're songs of loss and love, and they both said that it's because they see themselves as more global, major international artists, and they don't want to alienate any part of their fan base.
2: That's so interesting.
4: Yeah, and so they understand that their videos are watched by a really wide swath of people and they don't want kids watching their videos and kind of like recoiling. You know, they want to go to as many people as possible so they're very, I don't want to call it milk milquetoast because I don't find them milk milquetoast, but they are definitely not objectifying women, as you do find in a lot of reggaeton videos and in a lot of reggaeton lyrics.
2: One of the other questions you asked them was about Donald Trump and political activism regarding deportation and immigration.
4: How do they react to that? Well, that was really interesting because I thought what I asked them was if, um, if Donald Trump's uh, presidency and the fact that he's spoken about well, that he's acting on immigration and he's deporting so many immigrants—if that has made them feel more socially aware and more like—if that makes them feel more socially responsible—and they both said no. They both said, um, you know, uh, Balvin, and and I under—I was surprised at the answer, but I understand it. Balvin said that uh, two years ago when he first spoke out. Um, against Trump, which and when he declined to sing in Miss Universe, he was doing it because he personally felt assaulted by Trump's words against uh, about Latins. And uh, and then they both said, we already feel that we have social responsibility. We already feel that we have a mantle of responsibility. And no, we don't feel that we have more now than we've had before. We have it, and we wield it, and we're very careful and conscientious about what we say and how we act and one of the things that mickey jam said was that as reggaeton artists they already feel that and and it ties in with the whole treatment of women thing you know they feel that as reggaeton artists they're scrutinized more than your regular pop artists. right and they're subjected to a different standard so they feel that they're already being responsible and they're already subjected to a higher standard and they do not like to be political they said we don't about these things because we're political, we speak about these things because personally we feel them. See, but, but that's so interesting
2: because you have someone like Residente who is all about the politics in his music and he feels that that yes. actually makes a difference. So for them to kind of not embrace that kind of really also says that either they don't want to understand it, they don't want to be necessarily a part of it because they're not familiar with those topics. Or they're just having too much fun to think about
4: it. No, you know, I think they do think about it because I also asked them if the whole deportation thing had touched them. They're very aware of it, but I don't think that they want to be like the flag bearers and go around saying, rah, 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 here, I'm going to speak. You know, I am i don't see them rallying for Bernie Sanders I or whatever. And wish they did. Well, I know what you mean, but I but I understand because, I mean, if they don't feel I don't think that they're obligated. Right, yeah. You can't force
2: them to do something that is not who. Um, and yeah. before I let you go, Leila, uh, I know you have a podcast. Uh, I've listened to a few we episodes do. called Latin Connection. How's it going?
4: You know, it's going great. I have to say that the last <laughs> like six weeks I've been largely absent because I've been consumed by this conference and and these stories and this event. But, uh, but you know, we try to vary it up. We talk to different artists every week, and, uh, and we just try to get different voices in there. But it's all about music. It's all about Latin music, and I do feel it's a great time for Latin music uh, because more people than ever are listening to it. It's different from the days of the Latin explosion 20 years ago, for sure. Right. But I think it's a different kind of explosion. And uh, and I think it's more, maybe it's less like impactful. It's less of a laser, but it's more of a big wave.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more subtle. It's not mm-hmm. in your face as it used to be. Uh, I definitely agree with you. So if you guys want to read Leila Kobo's exclusive interview with Jay Balvin and Nikki Jam on this week's Latin Billboard magazine, it's online and in newsstands right now. Leila Cobo. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking a little, little bit about um, uh, your interview with these two guys and and obviously expanding on the on the whole scope of Latin music industry right now. Thank you so
4: much. No, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the tough question.
2: And that's a wrap for our 29th episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Diamond Boy Luis, Motley, and Leila Cobo for stopping by on the show. And I want to thank you guys for always listening. If you want to get a shout out from us, shoot us an email at highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. That's highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. You can also now hear us on the Revolver Podcast Network, which means we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, please subscribe and share with your friends. See you again next time on another episode of Highly Relevant!